0: Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. Today I'm joined by Dr. Lucas Chain and Dr. Rachel Kenoble. Rachel, Lucas, and I are going to be discussing what makes a clinic environment so successful and positive and that sort of thing. What goes into the overall physical therapy clinic and experience that allows someone to succeed We're also going to discuss a variety of fun topics along the way, so things like whiteboard questions, the origins of the famous Pineapple Thursday, and so much more. So this is kind of a slightly different gear of our episodes recently, but this was so fun to do, and I highly recommend you check out Rachel, Lucas, and the entire team at True Sports because they are all phenomenal individuals. Enjoy the show. Rachel, Lucas, it's great to see you two again. I'm super excited to talk with you today. Great to catch up. Uh, For people who aren't familiar with the two of you, or maybe they haven't heard of that awesome spot you guys are in over there in Glen Burnie, would you mind filling them in a little bit about who you are and what you do? Yeah, so I'm Lucas. I'm the clinic director here at our Glen Burnie location for True
1: Sports Physical Therapy. Um, I started at True Sports about like two years ago, been at this location about a year now. And so we've really had to grow this place from the ground up a little bit. It's our first location in the Anaroma County region. So trying to figure out how to put it all together, get a lot of connections and build this place a lot. Um, we're in a pretty cool facility that happens to be like a rental facility. So we get a lot of different like sports rentals throughout it. And we have a small space inside of it with a full weight room and turf area. And the blessing of all of that is. To have full turf fields outside that we get to use and have some of that space for.
2: Um, my name is Rachel. Um, I am a staff PT at True Sports in Glen Burnie. I started with the company about a year ago and I actually split some time between here and our Fells Point location as well. Um, I graduated from the University of Delaware and then did a sports residency there afterward and then joined up with True Sports.
0: That's awesome. That's really cool. And um, I think both of you and I mean, true sports in general, you kind of are the name of the game when it comes to sports rehab on that side of the bridge, as we like to call it around here, you know, the Baltimore area, Annapolis area. Um, I'm not really good with my Maryland geography, but that whole area, I just see you guys everywhere. Um, And I've noticed that you have this unique feature where your clinics are not like Uh, most other PT clinics, they're very unique. And I've had the pleasure of working with many patients that have gone to true sports before. And there's something unique about your clinic environment, your clinic atmosphere. And I feel like that allows you to build an awesome team to work together and collaborate with the athletes that you see day in and day out. So I'm kind of curious for you two, I know that as you mentioned, Lucas, you're kind of building this clinic from the ground up. What kind of things went into your whole team building process and overall clinic environment, clinic atmosphere, and how people kind of perceive you and know you guys? I
1: think the biggest thing for me, at least when I first started this location and just like with the help of like Tim and Austin, who are my bosses, they they've really kind of given me the reins to do a little bit and have a little bit of freedom for it and just kind of letting it be my own and then also one that rachel got brought in let it be her own thing too i think it's trying not to fill too many buckets and push people into buckets too often it's trying to let people explore what they want to support them where they have to be and continue to like grow that so the biggest part of that was just like when rachel started in the fells location one of our other co-workers down in the fells location wanted to run what Rachel now does as the pineapple Thursday fitness challenge it's become our own little thing of like hey we get to do some fun silly things sometimes that our patients get to participate in and if they're not ready yet we can find hopefully regressions for them or progressions for them just to make it challenging but i think letting Rachel do that and like letting ourselves like open that up it's a great way to make her feel involved and her patients feel involved in mine as well. And then just kind of continue to grow off of that. And rather than like stifling that, right, like really embrace it, try to help support her as much as I can, but rather than like trying to pencil her into one box or anything like that, or kind of like put it away, it's just like give her an opportunity to grow that portion of it as opposed to like, like continuing to put it off to the side. And then at the same time, um, you're I think you see that stuff through Instagram, but for us, we've also started doing stuff in clinic where like I put questions up on the whiteboard and they're exactly a reflection of who I am, right? I ask silly questions all the time. We've had brain teasers, and the kids every like week look at me when I haven't changed the question and they're like, What's what's the new question? What like, come on, I'm trying to like look for stuff. So it's consistently letting people be who they are in the clinic and letting that grow a little bit so that it feels like a place where you want to come in and work because it's a reflection of yourself.
0: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And ultimately, I feel like if you have an atmosphere that people want to be in, then they're not going to have an issue coming in when they look at, you know, the timeline of some of these rehabs, right? Like, I feel like you're probably seen most of your ACL patients with ACL tears for probably at least six months, probably closer to 9, 10, 11. And if they don't like the clinic environment and atmosphere and the people there, they're probably not going to feel overly motivated and inspired to come in and see you guys. Um, so I love all of those kind of topics and ideas you've had there. Rachel, fill me in a little bit about Pineapple Thursday, because Lucas mentioned it. I've seen a thing or two, but I I, I don't fully understand it. So where did that come from? Was that a youth thing? Have you been doing that since the Delaware days? What is Pineapple Thursday? And where do you get the ideas from?
2: So I'll have to first give credit over to Zach Kushner in our Fells Point location. Uh, Apparently, when he started working at True Sports, he brought this from his PT school days, which is Pineapple Sock Thursdays. So every PT in Fells Point wears pineapple socks on Thursdays. So as soon as I started working there, I was told in order to work here, you need to purchase a pair of pineapple socks to work on Thursdays. Not that they actually would have kicked me out, but I had to, wear the, I had to purchase the socks. Um, so then when I transitioned full-time to Glen Bernie, I was having a hard time convincing Lucas and Austin and Tim that they should be wearing pineapple socks on Thursdays for some very strange reason. I, I think Austin imagine. has a pair. Austin does have a pair. You should check I'll, with
1: him. I'll gladly admit, I don't have a pair. <laughs> 100%
2: not. Tim has a pair that one of our shared patients purchased for him. So he has a pair. Huh. Yet to see him wear them more than, more than once. But um, that being said, I was trying to look for a way to kind of continue that because I liked how like it was something special just on Thursdays that everyone did. Um, so actually, the I recently realized this was it's been a year because it was the day I found out about my SCS exam. I was just excited. I must have had extra energy I wanted to uh, just put into something. So I started a random fitness challenge. I texted Zach and Alexis and Fells, And I was like, Hey guys, if I do a random fitness challenge, will you do it? And they said, yes. So then I started it that week and it's been a a Thursday ritual ever since. Um, We basically just pick something silly or goofy or sometimes something more actually physically demanding. And we just get our patients, ourselves, as many of the other clinicians at our other clinics to kind of jump in. And it makes it fun. It's something where you can just break up the session a little bit. People do come in and ask me earlier in the week, hey, what's the pineapple for this week? Um, So everyone's just getting super invested in it. It's been really cool to see it grow, not only from our clinic in Fells Point, but to Bel Air and Timonium and all the other clinics that we have.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. That's, uh it's always fun to kind of watch those things. And I give you so much credit on the creativity because I'm always like, how in the heck did she come up with that? Or uh, some of those things too. I'm impressed at how easy you make them look, because I don't know about you, but some of them, they look a little bit challenging to me. And that's all Rachel, like Rachel <laughs> makes
1: them look so easy. And then I just come in on the goofy end or the fun end. But we usually try to pick ones where like somebody can do them well. There's also a lot of work behind the scenes of like practicing over and over and over again. I mean, that's our little secret, but like you gotta make it look good for the Instagram,
0: you know? Yeah, Yeah. it's always for the gram. Everyone loves (laughs) the gram. Um, Yeah, if it's not perfect, I'm sure that you post a blooper reel on occasion.
2: Oh yeah, I did last week we did. Um, so this is fun too at the Pineapple Challenge. I cannot take credit for all the ideas. Yep. Um, just seeing other people do them, people will send me suggestions, some of them more serious than others. So I got a suggestion for this week that we should do a hot dog eating contest because apparently that's July 4th themed and maybe that would be a good pineapple challenge. I'm not sure if I'll take that suggestion. Um, but this past week came from a patient and I posted a blooper reel because it was the most infuriating challenge ever.
0: <laughs> was that the the ball catch one or whatever behind the back?
2: Yeah, you have to take a, well, you can use whatever you'd like, but we use the roll of toilet paper, hold it behind your head, drop it behind your back and catch it between your legs.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Uh, th- those are things I can't do right now. We'll talk about that later, um, but that's uh That's very impressive. And um, again, points for the creativity and the craftiness. Now, how do you work that into your sessions? Like, do you plan them based on like what the majority of your patients are seeing and try and base more low extremity as a result? Or is this like a pre-session fun thing to get people hyped for the day? Or how do you kind of work it in on the day-to-day side?
2: I think it depends on the week of the challenge. So this past week's was more of a goofy fun thing we would do like if they were grabbing water or first coming in have them mess around with it a little bit during a break between an exercise. Um, But we've also done ones like single leg squat variations that I'll kind of work into a session with, say, like a post-op ACL patient who I think would be appropriate to try a single leg squat late stage on their their operative side. And it's actually really cool to see them achieve something they didn't think they could do, but using clinical judgment to see if they're ready and appropriate for it, you can actually work it into the session.
0: And making it enjoyable nonetheless, because I found that not everyone loves lifting weights, unfortunately. Um, and even while that might be important, say post-op ACL, um, some people would much rather just do yoga or Pilates or just go to dance and not do the whole weightlifting piece. So if you can find ways to make it enjoyable like that, I think that would certainly pay dividends for keeping your patients engaged and keeping them happy when they're coming to see you on you know two, three times a week basis. I want to I want to hear more about your whiteboard questions as well here, because I've heard a little bit of, you know, some stories about them um, ranging from, you know, who's best at certain subjects in school to all these other things that way. So fill me in on the whiteboard questions. When did that start and what kind of things are you pulling there? I probably say so I always just make it my own
1: um, in the sense of like we talk about anything that we want to, um, whether it's food topics, which. I always enjoy talking about because, you know, it's food um, or just whatever, like we think is fun conversational topics. Sometimes it gets some of our patients really like jived up because then we get a really nice conversational topic to just kind of like lead into the day. So if we happen to have something that's like, would you pick this or that, then like they come in and they come revved up because they're like, feel really strongly about a topic. And then we can spend the whole session talking about you happen to be one-on-one, but like as the patient's train, sometimes the patients will like fight back and forth on it because like one's ending and like they, they, they see the other one mark off a question and they're like, there's no way you said that, like not a ch- chance. And they like go back and forth, but now it creates this connection that they didn't realize. And so, okay, talking about like random food topics to like, oh, what injury did you have? Oh, the struggle of this and that, and somehow like our clinic just gets more and more close closely connected because of all of those things. And again, it's not anything that I'm trying to push on them. They just happen to have less barriers to talk about things. And even for our quieter patients, we all have struggled with patients who like don't love talking to us, breaks up some of those barriers, makes life easier to talk about. And just like we certainly talk about any of those topics, even if they're silly or goofy and it helps make sessions smoother. So it's not necessarily about anything clinical. Sometimes there are some things, but it really is about finding more ways to open people up and connect with them.
0: Yeah, it sounds like it makes the clinic feel more like a community instead of just a place you go. Um, It allows you to connect with the clinicians. It allows you to connect with the other patients. um, And I'd imagine that the majority of your patients probably have seen each other before, maybe heard of each other before in some capacity, but maybe they don't know each other. So maybe you've got people from rival high schools or rival club lacrosse teams or something like that. So I'm sure they've heard of each other or played against each other, but maybe they don't know the full story. Is that something that you guys run into a lot? or?
1: Yeah, teammates know each other. And then we said it really brings everyone together and like for us because it's just like we get it. Injuries are tough. If you have an ACL, if you have something that's long-term, it's tough to come in every single day and feel like you have to put in your best. And we get it, it's super, super hard, especially if you happen to have one of those things where like maybe your ACL didn't go as straightforward, but to have something easy to talk about with us or someone else who's going through it, to end up on with that. And if that's the small little light of your experience at day, and we've done our job well enough, regardless of the clinical things.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there with that, Lucas, is we talked about this earlier with uh, Dr. T on the podcast, how, you know, ultimately, whenever we have an injury, it's like uh, we're, we're going with the ACL tear example right now. Uh, whenever we have an injury like that like happen to someone, uh, ultimately, they lose locus of control, you know, before they could run, before they could play their sport, before they could do all these, these things. And now they're constantly being told what they can't do. Um, So if we can shift that locus of control back to the patient and let them steer conversations, let them go about the day-to-day, let them connect with other individuals who might be going through the same challenges or similar challenges to them, then they're going to feel like they're no longer alone. They're going to feel supported. And ultimately they're starting to regain control of their life. And, um, you know, I think it's funny that we call this physical therapy and we call ourselves physical therapists because a lot of the things we're discussing right now are not necessarily physical in nature but ultimately without them i would like to say that they have a drastic impact on the success of what we do physically with our patients would you agree oh yeah
1: the connection you create with people the bonds that you create is what lasts you there you don't get to nine to 12 months of rehab with somebody unless you have a pretty decent connection, if they don't trust you in doing all these things, it's really hard to take them through the whole part of this. And the really nice part between Rachel and I of like having these two things is like, almost the questions help support me through the early stage. And most of our patients through the early stage, right? Like you can't do a lot. You're non-weight bearing. You can't do anything. You just hang out with the questions. You can watch the Pineapple Thursday challenges from afar. But like one of the coolest things was like, I think one of Rachel's patients, when we were first coming around on it, she couldn't participate in any of the lower body ones. And suddenly we get there and she goes, this is my first pineapple I can do. And to hear that, to see that it's a really cool thing because when you're around it, you just we didn't, we didn't think it was a big thing, but it's like for her to like really just be excited to be a part of it. And I don't even remember what the challenge was because it's not the point. The point is that they just feel involved and feel like they're checkboxing something. And it's a really cool accomplishment to have.
0: Yeah, definitely. And I know we keep going back to the patient, the patient, but I mean, I would imagine for the two of you, your job, your life, your work, whatever you want to refer to it as, it's probably a lot more satisfying when you can leave every night and go home and know that, you know, you had a positive impact on someone, you were the highlight of their day, Um, whether that be from the whiteboard, the pineapple challenge, or that sort of thing. I mean, ultimately, I feel like this creates a much more fulfilling life for the two of you doing something like this, as to as opposed to just kind of going through the motions, if that makes sense.
2: Yeah, for sure. The just the conversations and getting to know your patients is huge. And then just if you think about it like that, it's it's a lot more rewarding than just having people go through heel pops or straight leg raises. Like you have to make it an experience. And that that helps from the clinician side of things too.
0: But no, I like that. I like the term experience because physical therapy should be an experience for someone, not a Thing you have to go do i want people to think about physical therapy like they think of disney, disney world, world right where they're excited to go they're excited to go back they know that if something goes wrong that there's going to be people there to help them and support them and take care of them along that, that way. way and, and it's, it's not got- just the kind of thing where you go you check your box you leave um, and ultimately i think that feeds the results um, again we mentioned before that you're very well known across the um i i'll i'll dare to call it the western shore of maryland there throughout baltimore and all that area and i think a big part of that is the results i mean if people don't get better they're probably not going to go back to physical therapy um and we see time and time again that patients are crushing it when they go to you guys so i think that ultimately these sort of things feed uh the results and the reputation and the other things that people know you for
1: yeah for sure and the results are just like part of it but the results are everything in my opinion it's their experience non-clinically and then making sure you also give them everything clinically the best you can
0: yeah yeah i definitely agree with you and on the clinical piece, too, we talked about some of the what I'll call the softer things like the pineapple Thursday, the whiteboard, um, that sort of thing. But you mentioned before that your clinic space is rather unique in the design and the, the setup overall setup and equipment that you have when you were kind of planning that clinic space and you were planning equipment and that sort of thing. What kind of considerations did you make as far as that goes, you know, was there certain things you were like, like, Hey, we need to have this, or, Hey, we really need to have access to that. How did you kind of go about planning the overall planning, the overall clinic uh, as opposed to just kind of saying, well, uh, we're going to get our ankle weights. We're going to get our hot pack, ice pack, that kind of stuff.
1: So I won't take any credit for the clinic space itself. I think, um, our current COO, Tim, was the one who kind of like found the clinic space and really utilized it. But I think one of the things that in the locations I've been at True Sports is it's always been something that has to feel oriented toward the athlete. Um, you walk in and you see green turf, you walk in and you see heavy weights. And for us, especially being in a rental facility, a lot of people walk through. It's like a really cool phenomenon. I think. And i think that's one of the spaces where it needs to feel like that especially in a sports-based clinic and in my opinion that also needs to change in all types of clinics right at least for the outpatient orthopedic world i think a good part of that is people just need to move more and giving them options and to move more whether that's in a turf space that could be in any sort of like gym you have to give them the feel of like you guys got to get active you guys got to get moving And if we sit you on a table all day, there's only so many options we can get. So having some of the ability to transition from a table space, having some of that transition to just feel like your feet are on turf and then moving them into something like a clinical setup, because it feels like it covers a little bit of everything. And to have that transition, whether you're a 16 year old in high school to 70 year old who just wants to play with their grandkids those elements are super super important yeah have.
0: yeah no i definitely agree with you i mean how many clinics do we see that market sports physical therapy yet their athletes never run in physical therapy or the heaviest weight they have is a 10 pound ankle weight or whatever um it's it's very difficult in my opinion to Rehab athletes, especially with some of the more well known athletic injuries like the ACL, uh, if you don't have the ability to load and you don't have the space and room to run and do athletic based things. Um, So I definitely love that you bring that in. Uh, One of the other things I continue to see from you. Uh, is these force plates. Um, And that's something that is very, very big, I think, uh, in today's day and age on the sports science and data side. Um, So much so that I believe every uh, PT and strength coach that we worked with last week on our basketball roundtable discussion, I believe every single one of them said the force plates were one of the biggest game changers for them. Um, So what can you tell me about the force plates? What kind of made you decide to get those and what kind of uh, what kind of use clinically are you having with the force plates and how are you applying them? Give me the rundown.
2: Sure. Um, so our company had the force plates so- and they put them in our location because we get such a high volume of early stage conical to late stage. Um, I can use it with somebody who has been weight bearing for a period of time and I can use the force plates to teach them symmetrical weight bearing with something like just static standing and then progressing into just kind of a basic squatting pattern. You can turn that body weight squatting pattern into a loaded pattern with a trap bar or a goblet weight, or even a barbell on their back. And they can get real time feedback on, are they appropriately using their operative side? Are they offloading that side? Which is the common tendency. Um, And then thinking later stage, there's a lot of different tests we can run through them. So I think most people think of the counter movement jump or the single leg counter movement jump. Um, But we've also been experimenting with some hop testing, Um, just kind of repeated foot contacts from an ankle stiffness perspective. Um, We can look at kind of drop landings and how long it takes for them to stabilize on a leg and compare that to the other side. Um, So we've just kind of really taken the time to think through clinically how we can use them and the options are endless. Um, We have been in a way overwhelmed with how many options the force plates give us. Um, So it's been a good challenge for us both clinically to kind of think about Okay, we could spend 40 minutes making people jump on the plates, but how do we parse this down in eight to 10 minutes of valuable information that we can do repeat tests on our athletes, we can see someone in season, how their numbers compare to how they were fresh um, on a testing day earlier in their rehab. And then we also recently used them with a baseball group, um, which we as an opportunity to see what can we do from an upper extremity standpoint, what information can we give these athletes um, that they could use, so Lucas can talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so the cool part of the force plates is, especially in a sport like baseball, they have numbers on everything, and we're trying to correlate and work with the coaches um, on just making sure that we put all that stuff together, so the biggest thing we we're trying to do with the force plates with this group was two-sided, one, try to find values that may correlate to their exit below and stuff like similar to just how explosive those arms are as well as just their civilization strength. And so we kind of combine those two elements to see if we can create like a full well-rounded thing for their coaches. Are they, uh, this group happens to be strength coaches who also happen to have like a huge baseball background. So can we show them that what they're doing with their kids is correlated or are there kids who are just missing buckets and does that correlate well with their um, like velocities? On the same end, are there kids who have issues? And with these kids who have issues, long injury histories, all of that, see if we can catch them early. I think the force plates gives us a really cool way to check on the analytics side. It's like, are you seeing what you're supposed to be seeing? So if a kid who's had a previous injury shows up and you test their upper extremity strength um we use a y test for that like does it show up in there like are they just weaker compared to their other like teammates or are they showing up in the same range and maybe it's something else that you need to kind of look through and find out but i think we talk all the time about like screening kids before stuff happens or trying to catch that it's really just to use that element and then catch them and then if they need that work beforehand let's do it before they ever show up with pain on the mound let's do it before they ever show up with pain for our clinic stuff of like pain here in the clinic or are they having the issues with rate of force development for those ACL patients I'm trying to catch things a lot beforehand
0: yeah I love that I love that instead of going into what we call the traditional PT model I'll actually just call it the 1980s PT model. That's kind of my buzz term of hot pack, ultrasound, massage, ice, e-stim, feel good, Ianto. And then, you know, just rehab things after they've happened. I think it's better to be proactive and go out there like you guys are doing and trying to catch things before they happen. Not that you can always always do it, but but. hey, the the thought behind it, the premise, the effort, the intention, I think is amazing. And I'll also say that, You know, even if you can't prevent every injury from happening, having baseline data of where someone was at previously, and then knowing that you have to exceed that after your PT is super valuable um, because a lot of times we just have to 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 kind of assume where people were. We don't actually have measurements or any kind of documented data on it. Um, And I also really like just in general, um, the uh, facilities that you have, the push that you've kind of made to make it a athletic-based experience and the place for athletes to uh, rehab at because, again, I think that most people are out there looking at PT as this sort of profession where, you know, they they do their hot pack, the ultrasound, all the feel-good stuff, and that's just not what athletes uh, most of the time want. And most of the time, athletes want to be surrounded by individuals such as yourselves. They want to be around individuals close to their own age bracket. They want to be around people who are energetic, inspired, love what they do, um, and go home satisfied every day. And unfortunately, that's just not the experience I hear from many people who go to those typical quote-unquote mill uh, PT clinics where, you know, 40 to 50 patients walk through that door per PT the PTs are stressed because they're super behind on notes. They don't love what they do. They don't actually get to spend time with their patients. Um, the patients don't love it because they're not getting progression. They're limited in facilities. They might not be surrounded by people their own age bracket. They might not really have anyone to talk to. So I feel like in general, you guys are doing everything that needs to be done to kind of be like the anti mill PT clinic, I'll call it. I
1: think we're doing our best, Right work and evolution at those things and constantly making sure that you're like on top of those and you make sure you get those patient experiences but like at the end of the day for us that matters too is like as long as the patients are having that part of have great connections with the kids or whoever you're working with if it's like someone who's 70 and just wants to get back to doing what they do like biking or swimming like that matters too so just making sure you have that and of course, supporting it on the clinical side. You never want to let that diminish, but connect first, make sure that holds true more than anything. And you can do the clinical side and learn the clinical side a little bit better, but don't have that connection. You don't make that and you don't make the experience everything it's supposed to be. Then you don't give yourself time to do the clinical stuff with your like patients.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It has to be a positive experience. And I don't have any fancy article or data or research or anything like that to cite on this. But I'm willing to bet a substantial amount of money that there are better outcomes when people like their PTs, when people like going to PT and just enjoy the whole process, as opposed to looking at as another chore, another thing in the day. Um, And I feel like we've already hit the head on outcomes and that sort of thing um, already. But maybe a possible study in the future of, you know, patient outcomes based on their overall satisfaction with their providers. I would really like to see just kind of how some of these little things like the pineapple Thursday, like the whiteboards, or even just having clinicians such as yourselves that are active and uh, practice what they preach, so to speak. Uh, Rachel, I know you have a black belt. Lucas, I hear that you coach some volleyball or something like that. Um, So it's nice to, it's nice to know that you know, you're not just out here dishing out athletic advice, you're actually both involved athletically. Um, And I think that's something that's often missed as well is, you know, we have a lot of individuals not to say there's anything wrong with this. But there's a lot of individuals out there who, um, you know, want to work with athletes, but they're not doing anything athletic themselves. And I don't care what that athletic thing is, it could be, uh, you know, martial arts, it could be a sport, it could be, Bocce. Um, I've seen professional bowlers. I mean, you can do whatever. Anything can be a sport. Um, it's just, it, it's interesting to me how few people actually practice what they preach. And I love that you both do that. And I love that that's something that obviously your patients will be able to see and take away from working with the two of you. Yeah, we, have,
2: we talked about like, clinic culture for like the patient side of things but I think one thing like Lucas and I both do pretty well is like we're always coming in early to work out and do something for ourselves Um, and I think just taking care of ourselves in that sense and like seeing each other kind of like model that in a way helps us then help other people better Um, and I think it's nice like if Lucas has a patient early and I come in early to work out that patient sees me lifting and sees me working hard. So then maybe that's motivation for them. And then vice versa, if he's going through a lift and I'm taking a patient through something, they see that we're not just telling them to do things, but we're passionate about it ourselves. Um, So I think that's a big piece of it too, like clinic culture within the patient side of things, but also the clinician side of things.
0: So who's more jacked out of the two of you? Oh, no, 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 no. (laughs) for pound, Rachel is easily,
1: will take the cake on that. I just lift to keep myself from not falling apart when I play sports but pound for pound, this one takes the cake.
2: I have to live up to that now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is, is that, um, was there a sporting background other than martial arts that influenced that or?
2: Um, honestly, not really in a way, lack of strength training, like a formal strength training background growing up, I think kind of fueled this. Um, so I grew up playing like soccer and tennis and Martial arts, as you said, but I never really went to the gym and lifted weights that was never really something that you know female sports did. um, When I was growing up and I think seeing how positively it's impacted my life since then has made me more motivated to share that with a lot of my high school and even college girls just making sure they understand the value of that and that they can carry that forward, even after their injury
0: that in itself could be a whole podcast episode. We've kind of hit that in bits and pieces here with different guys like Derek uh, and the other ones on the podcast where um, you know perceptions of strength and conditioning and PT and access, especially for female athletes, has certainly been something that we see a common theme with. Uh, that could be a rabbit hole in itself here. Um, but I know that you two are probably going to have a line of patience before you know it. So do you have any kind of closing thoughts, closing remarks, or anything that we might have missed while we were talking today?
1: Last point that I kind of want to bring up is just like, I think for all the clinicians who are kind of getting started or building something, when you kind of like start with that community aspect of things, remember that like we're in this business for the patient. And I think sometimes that does get lost. And is like that's part of why we're both here at True Sports. We, we love that idea of the one-on-one model and to really exemplify that it's, it's about them. Everything we do, whether it's writing notes, whether it's writing, these, um, writing my whiteboard questions or doing the pineapple Thursday stuff, it's all in service to them. So we kind of make sure that we're really locked up tight on those ends and there aren't any leaky holes because if you have leaky holes in patient care, like purely patient care and experience, it's going to be really, really hard. And you've touched on it multiple times of like those PT mills. And I think that's the thing they forget. It's not that they don't have great clinicians. It's not, that they don't have like great outcomes. It's that sometimes they lose the thought of patient experience over some of the monetary value and have to put that at the forefront always.
2: No, just, I guess just to kind of echo some of what Lucas said, I think one of the biggest things that we do here is just show people that we care because we genuinely do. Um, And I think that goes very far. Um, Just creating that experience for people and showing them that you're invested in their goals, their future, their life um, makes them excited to come in, excited to work hard. And excited for what comes next. I think if you don't show them that, there's going to be something that's missing, and maybe they're not going to be as willing to work as hard. Um, Maybe they're not going to trust you as much if you are just kind of phoning it in or just going through the motions. But truly taking the time and asking, "No, how how are you doing?" Like just small questions like that go a really long way. And I think that's why we have that's part of why we have the reputation that we have.
0: Yeah, true sports, true care by true PTS if y'all if y'all trademark that uh please give me credit um I'll, i'll send you my address afterwards um anyways yeah no i uh i completely love those points um i i think that ultimately as we've said almost a million times now you you have to create an awesome experience and some of these things might seem little or goofy or some people might not you know be comfortable in the instagram space or that sort of thing but I mean at the end of the day just jump into it. No one's going to judge you, you know, uh in this space for little things like that. Like I I I um I tell people I probably suck 5 minutes a day when I work with my patients. There's probably Some new thing that I try or some, you know, new joke that I try. I'm kind of the king of dad jokes around here, even at 25. Um, So it's important to kind of jump into those uncomfortable situations, uh, especially the Instagram space. I know a lot of people are kind of against making their Instagram account and posting daily, but sometimes you just got to jump in and do it. So I love that. Uh, For people who want to find the two of you on Instagram, because we've mentioned that a few times here, maybe they want to follow Pineapple Thursday, that sort of thing. Where can they find you at? Uh, So
1: my Instagram is dr. Chang C-H-A-N-G underscore D-P-T. It's a mouthful. I still probably should change that at some point, but we're working on it.
2: Yeah, mine's even more basic. It's my first name and my last name, so dot DPT. Um, and then if you wanna see any of the past pineapple challenges, I believe I set them up as like highlights on my account so you can see uh, multiple, multiple pineapple challenges if you so desire.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. We'll link to both your Instagram accounts below. There's there's not like a Pineapple Thursday Pinterest page yet. Right?
2: <laughs> not yet. Uh, you're more than welcome to take the lead on that. If you like
0: that. Um, so we'll link to both your Instagram accounts below in the description. And obviously, we'll link to True Sports Glen Burney as well, because if you want to check out that clinic, stop in, say hello to either of these amazing individuals, you should definitely do that. Rachel Lucas, really appreciate your time today. I appreciate it.
2: Thanks for having us.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Brown Body Health and Fitness Podcast. If you liked this episode, please make sure to share it with a friend, subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes, and leave a review. This way we can spread knowledge and motivation and help reach more people. Thank you again for listening, and I'll see you next time.